Welcome back to Sideline Exposure. I am your host, Mitchell Crossan, and here we are recapping the Week 13 college football playoff rankings, and things are starting to clear themselves up a little bit. So, similar as before, we'll go ahead and work our way backwards, starting at 25, point out some highlights, and then really dive into really the top seven and see who really has a shot still to make the playoff and where the picture lies currently. Okay, so let's go ahead and start with the 25th spot. And here we see Arkansas, who found themselves ranked at 25. And this is really no surprise. I knew the committee was going to do this, and this drives me nuts. But as we talked about earlier on previous episodes, and you can also check out our blog at sidelineexposure.com, but it feels like that the committee has been continuing to justify the ranking of Alabama based off of their opponents. And this was prevalent, especially with the initial rankings. But people would say, well, okay, you know, why is Alabama here, etc.? And they would say, well, you know, they have the ranked win over this team and that team is ranked 12th or etc. And so it feels like that the committee is going to continue doing this. I mean, are we even sure that Arkansas is the 25th best team in the country? And I know you're, you're splitting hairs at that point, right? And I'm not saying that it's a clear-cut team that should be there instead. But it's not surprising that the committee kept Arkansas ranked. And this just gives Alabama another quote-unquote current ranked win over an opponent. Moving on to 24, Houston found themselves still ranked in the top 25. And this is big for Cincinnati because these two teams are going to face off in the AAC championship game. And we'll get to Cincinnati a little bit later in this episode. But this is a good Houston team who is 10-1, has a pretty good resume, rattling off, I believe, 10 straight wins after their initial loss to start the year. But this is just going to help Cincinnati and help their case and kind of cement the reasons why they should find themselves ranked in the top four to end the year. A couple other brief highlights here. Clemson saw themselves ranked in the college football rankings for the first time this year. Coming in at 23rd at 8-3 record after their win over Wake Forest. Speaking of Wake Forest, they find themselves dropping to 18 with a 9-2 record. I mean, still a great year for Wake Forest, honestly, regardless of what happens. I didn't think that they were going to beat Clemson because, I mean, Clemson has not had the year that they wanted to have, or frankly, that any of us really thought they would have. I think some people predicted Clemson would miss the playoff, but I don't know if anybody predicted three losses, especially early in the year. But nonetheless, you know, Wake Forest had a tough matchup, you know, weren't able to score um, as often as they were with some of the other opponents that that they faced. But 9-2 is still a great record for them, and we'll see what they can do to end out the year. Moving forward, we have Iowa at 16, Texas A&M at 15, and Wisconsin at 14. So we're starting to see the Big Ten West come into play a little bit more, and Wisconsin has really turned it around. Again, as we've said before, they're back to their basics, right? Back to having a really good defense, working on the run game, and just getting that going. And that's frankly what Wisconsin is. Now let's move into Oregon at 11 and Michigan State at 12, just outside the top 10. And this really isn't surprising. Both teams had really bad losses 
this past weekend and bad losses in the sense of each team got blown out. Utah wiped the floor with Oregon. They were up, I believe, 28-0 at half. And then obviously Michigan State got ran over by Ohio State and they were down 49-0 at halftime. So Oregon, kind of expecting this, I would say. Now, they deserve all the credit in the world for how they started the season with the win over Ohio State. But since then, they have been really an up-and-down team. And sometimes they look okay, sometimes they don't look good. And it just didn't feel like they were going to continue winning every game. And it felt like they were due for another loss. And we saw that with Utah. And it's it's hard to beat the same team twice. I did think Utah was going to beat Oregon in one of these two matchups. And that's because, well, not only did they play last weekend being the regular season, but they're also going to face each other again in the Pac-12 championship game. And it doesn't matter who you are, but playing the same team twice, especially being the, the better team, it's hard to beat that same team, especially in such a tight window in a span of a couple of weeks. And Oregon, I mean, you know, heading into that game, you have everything to lose against Utah, whereas Utah doesn't. And Utah has the talent, right? They're they're like Wisconsin, you know, they, they're always pretty good. They're never really a true threat to making the playoff or pulling off huge upsets every year. But they have enough talent and they have a good enough coaching staff to pull together a big win like this. And we saw that last weekend. Regarding Michigan State, you know, they've had a great year as well. A year that has been not unprecedented, but we didn't expect this per se. Mel Tucker has done a great job in the transfer portal and getting Kenneth Walker, but they haven't really absolutely blown teams out either. Um, give them all credit though. You know, they did beat Michigan. Obviously it seems like Michigan's the better team, especially after Michigan state's downfall playing against Ohio state. But was that more of Ohio state is really, really good. And their offense had a best case scenario day or was Michigan state just not that good. And maybe they were a little overhyped. But that's a separate episode, and we can talk about that later. So getting into the top 10 here, we have Oklahoma at 10, Ole Miss at 9, with one win away from having a 10-win season, Baylor at 8, Oklahoma State at 7, and now we're getting into the, the nitty and gritty of the rankings. So our first two out at 5 and 6 is going to be Michigan and Notre Dame, respectively. And then our top four is as follows. And to really no surprise, I think most of us saw this coming, especially after the weekend's performances. So we have Georgia at one, Ohio State at two, Alabama at three, and Cincinnati at four. So really what we're looking at is really the top seven. Now, Georgia at one, no surprise. We don't even need to spend time on Georgia right now. I do have a couple of questions about them and just in terms of tune-up games, if they'll be ready to go, right? Like they played Charleston Southern last weekend. And is that really going to help you in your matchup against Alabama? I don't think so. And I think that they played Georgia Tech next weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Again, you know, not the best team in the world. And is that really what you want heading into an SEC championship game? Now, it doesn't matter if they lose to Alabama in the SEC championship because they could lose. They have a loss to give. It doesn't matter where they lose. But 
at this point, right, teams are starting to tune up like Ohio State as we get into that two spot. And the Buckeyes definitely deserve that with that performance over Michigan State. Offense is really starting to hit their stride. The defense has played much better, and people have been really sleeping on the Buckeyes defense, who has a a D-line that is getting pressure on the quarterback. Linebackers are improved, and the secondary is playing much better. And so overall, Ohio State as a full team is hitting their stride at the right time. And they do have, I feel, the necessary tune-up games that will allow them to compete at the highest level and really become like a well-oiled machine as they start to head into postseason play. They do have a huge matchup against Michigan. And now we said that against Michigan State, and it was a big matchup. It was a top 10 matchup. But we saw what happened there, and we saw Ohio State was completely ready to play. Michigan State was just outmatched. Michigan's a little better, right? They have some DNs that can get some pressure. Their offense isn't spectacular. They don't have these crazy skill guys like Ohio State has. And frankly, I know a lot of teams don't really have that same level of talent, especially offensively this year that Ohio State does. But Michigan can run the ball well, and it's pretty much similar to Wisconsin, where they have a good defense and they have a good run offense. And as long as they can make enough plays through the air, which can keep teams like Ohio State at home and have to respect the pass, it's going to present some challenges and frankly, some different challenges than what Ohio State has seen in the past. So when Ryan Day first came on to the staff at Ohio State and before he's promoted to the head coach, you know, he's an offensive guy. And we saw him and Ohio State completely dissect Don Brown, who was the defensive coordinator at the time, his defense. And Ohio State ran through Michigan in 2018, 2019, and it wasn't even close. They put up over 50 plus points in both games. And both games were a blowout. Now Michigan has that new D coordinator, McDonald. It's a little bit of a different look. And Ryan Day said earlier this week in one of his press conferences was that it's a little bit of a different look and a little bit of a different adjustment and preparation that the Buckeyes are going to have to do going into this game. It's more of like an NFL look, an NFL type of defense. And they have those players, right? They have guys that can get pressure. They have the Hutchinson on the D-line who looks really good. And it's at the big house too. So Ohio State does play well on the road. But still, I mean, this is this has college football playoff implications written all over it. And whoever is able to come out of this game with a win, as long as they don't mess up in the Big Ten Championship game, this is the path to the playoff for the Big Ten. The Alabama Crimson Tide saw themselves drop to three. Again, not surprising. Most of us assumed that Ohio State and Alabama would flip-flop. But Alabama's path to the playoff is really not that easy. And at this point, it really feels like the only way Alabama gets in the top four is by beating Georgia in the SEC championship game. And that stage is already set. So as long as Alabama takes care of business against Auburn, which... Earlier this year, I thought, you know what? I kind of like Auburn in that matchup. But now that Bo Nix is out, I mean, Auburn is not good. Their backup quarterback is not Bo Nix. Not that Bo Nix was a Heisman candidate or anything of that caliber. But Auburn does rattle off wins in this series, being that it's Bo Nix, 
veteran quarterback and it's at Auburn would make me think that Auburn has a really good shot to win that game. But now that he's hurting out for the year, I doubt that's going to happen. Nonetheless, Alabama is vulnerable, but their path to the playoff is either beat Georgia and become the number one seed or lose to Georgia and you're on the outside looking in. And I think that's pretty apparent as we move on to the fourth spot and we finally see Cincinnati in a group of five team make their appearance in the top four of the college football rankings. And this is huge. And this goes back to the point that we're talking about earlier, the fact that Houston is ranked. But this just adds to Cincinnati's resume, assuming that they take care of business, win out, and are an undefeated team. If that's the case, they're going to get in. And I really don't think there's much of an argument why they shouldn't get in. And then it's nice to see the committee finally give them their respect and tell them, like, hey, we understand you have that really good Notre Dame win. Notre Dame number six, by the way, in these week 13 rankings. But also you're undefeated. And you just had a really good win over an SMU team, which you dominated. And we'll see what you can do against Houston. But it really feels like Cincinnati controls their own destiny moving forward. Michigan at five. Similar to what we just talked about with Cincinnati, Michigan does control their own destiny. Michigan and Ohio State play, obviously, this weekend. Really big matchup. And the winner of that game, it really feels like is going to make their way into the playoff. At this point, the path to the playoff does seem to be pretty clear. So the winner of the SEC championship game is going to be the one seed, assuming that both teams went out and don't have any more losses or frankly, Georgia have any losses. But you can even argue the fact that if they did blow a game against, I believe Georgia Tech next weekend, but if they beat Alabama, they could be the one seed. Long story short, we can get to that later. So SEC champ gets in, Big Ten champ gets in, assuming it's Ohio State or Michigan. And that's just leaving two spots open right now. So Cincinnati is going to get in. If they went out, I really think that they control their own destiny. I mean, what else do you need to know other than the fact that the committee currently has them ranked fourth? And now that leaves us with the fourth spot. And here it can be a little difficult because now we're looking at the big 12. And from here, it's going to be Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. Now, Oklahoma is currently ranked 10th, but if they are able to rattle off two wins against Oklahoma State and have that Big 12 championship, that really puts them right back into that conversation for that last spot. Same thing for Oklahoma State. While they're only 7th, they are not out of it by any means. The way that this gets tricky is if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. So then both of those teams will get in. It'll be Alabama at the one, Ohio State at the two, assuming Ohio State wins, or Michigan if they win, I feel like they'd be the two seed. Georgia probably at the three, and then Cincinnati at the four. Now, if we're talking about that scenario where Alabama wins and two SEC teams get in, we might have to have an honest conversation about the Big 12 champ versus Cincinnati at that point. And that's assuming that either Oklahoma or Oklahoma State each 
only finish this season with one loss and do become that Big 12 champ with the one loss. At that point, I do think Cincinnati does get the nod because they have their signature win on the road against Notre Dame, but then we've seen them go undefeated throughout the year as well. So the SEC championship game is actually going to be very important in deciding Cincinnati's fate, and we'll have to see if the Crimson Tide can pull off that upset in a couple weeks. So moving on to the last segment of this episode, we're going to go through the top 10, and we're going to talk about the teams, and we're just going to give a yes or no whether I think they control their own destiny to get into the playoff. So yes is just if you win out, you get in. So here we go. Number one, Georgia. Yes. Number two, Ohio State. Yes. Number three, Alabama. Yes. Number four, Cincinnati. I think yes. Number five, Michigan. Yes. And this is where we see separation. Number six, Notre Dame. No. Number seven, Oklahoma State. No. Baylor and Ole Miss are each a no because they're two loss. And then we'll go to the last one loss team here. Oklahoma. Number ranked 10 currently. And I'm going to say no. So the Big 12, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, like we just talked about, could each win out. And it's not a forgiven fact that they would make it into the playoff. Notre Dame has really snuck their way back into the conversation. And it's actually crazy because we all wrote them off after their loss to Cincinnati. But they've gotten better. They've continued to win. And remember, they don't have a conference championship game being independent. So that's really, I guess, a good and a bad thing. A bad thing because you don't have the chance to go up against a quality opponent as like a one more, like, hey, this is what we can do. So let's flash back to 2014 when Ohio State smashed Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game, 59 to nothing. That really cemented their spot into the playoff, getting that fourth seat. Notre Dame does not have the chance to do that. Now, with that being said, they also don't have a chance to get the second loss. So, you know, it goes both ways, but they would need chaos to erupt in order to find themselves back in. If they could get Cincinnati to to lose maybe to Houston and then maybe get, you know, Ohio State to beat Michigan, but then lose to Wisconsin, right, in the Big Ten Championship game, assuming those two teams meet there, then you could really see Notre Dame and then maybe that Big 12 champ as well move in. But again, those are just what-if scenarios. Ohio State's rolling right now. Georgia looks good. Cincinnati looks really good. It's hard to see a scenario of chaos like that erupt so late in the year. But again, it's college football and things do clear up, so you never know what really can happen. Okay, I lied. I said that previous segment was the last one, but I did want to add one more note here before we get to the conclusion. But I was watching the college football show and I like to watch, you know, after they release all the rankings and they talk to the CFP chairman Gary Barta and just kind of pick his brain on, you know, why they ranked the teams that they did, etc. We all know that. And I don't know, I don't know why I watch those segments anymore because it's just it's nonsense. Reese Davis will ask questions to Gary and he won't even answer them. And you could you could see if you're watching the show that Reese would 
consistently ask questions. And what he was really digging in on was Cincinnati. And he kept asking them, well, okay, reasoning behind the rankings, Gary Barta kind of danced around it. Then he asked them, well, okay, can you pretty much give us anything? And he didn't say it like that, but he got to the point where he was wording that. And Gary Barta said, well, you know, we, we look at teams in terms of clusters. And so then Reese goes into his next question, which was, okay, was Cincinnati closer to the Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama cluster or closer to the Michigan, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State cluster? And of course, what did Gary do? He didn't answer. And he just kind of came out with some blanket statement and said, well, we actually grouped them in with both clusters and we found them kind of, you know, in between both of them. And, you know, at the end of the day, the votes came down to having Cincinnati ranked. I mean, what kind of ranking is that? I mean, I, I understand, right? You, the committee's been under scrutiny. It's not an easy job. And so, you know, you're put in positions to having to explain the mind of, you know, a little more than a dozen people, but it just doesn't make sense that reasoning. And I mean, why can't we just get a real answer? It, what, are they afraid it's going to sound like they're biased or what is their thinking? So that drove me crazy. I don't even know if I'll listen to that part of the show anymore because it offers no value. Nothing. It, they just dance around the bush and say, you know, oh, well, at the end of the day, the votes came down and uh, Cincinnati was fourth. Well, well, yeah, dude. Like, obviously, because they're ranked fourth. So how about some substance? How about something other than surface level analysis and generalities shout out sideline exposure but at the end of the day you know unless we see a big shakeup in the rankings i'm not sure i'm going to keep watching that part of the segment of the show but nonetheless top four played out the way a lot of people think and i'm excited to see what happens here over the next two weeks we could see some shakeup or we could see some further separation okay well that concludes this episode of Silent Exposure. So thank you for listening. Usually I release the other episodes on Sunday after the Saturday slate of games. But being it is week of Thanksgiving, I am flying back home to Seattle and I'm actually going to the Apple Cup. So the Washington, Washington State game, which will be a lot of fun. You know, I grew up there, so I haven't been to a game in a long time at UW. So that'll be exciting. Granted, both teams are not that good. Both teams fired their head coaches for different reasons, but still, um, it might not be good football, but still fun nonetheless. And rivals and rivalry games are always the best to watch, and so that'll be a good time. So with that being said, there will not be the normal episode posted on Sunday, being that it is the week of Thanksgiving and I'm going out of town. So when I come back, I will go ahead and release the normal episode that we normally see on Tuesday after the rankings. And we'll make that episode just a little bit longer, recapping the weekend and then talking about those newest rankings as well. So that'll be a little two-for-one episode. But as always, thanks again for listening. Go ahead and check out our blog on our website at sidelineexposure.com. I do write little articles time to time, just you know, putting some words onto paper or at least onto a website. And just you know, some thoughts and what I think on some of the games or inconsistencies within the committee and things like that. So feel free to check that out. 
silentexposure.com, navigate to the blog page, and also follow us on social media. So on Instagram at Silent Exposure and on Twitter at Silent Expose. So thank you for listening and stay tuned for the newest podcast to be released a week from now on Tuesday, recapping both the weekend and those newest rankings at that time.